Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Today, the title of my message is this. It's simple faith. Simple faith, okay? Simple faith. And uh, I'm going to touch on four different areas today that simple faith is simple, it's specific, it's bold, and it's unrelenting. Simple faith. It's simple, it's specific, it's bold, and it's unrelenting. Would you turn with me today to Hebrews chapter 11 and also Romans chapter 10? So two places today. Hebrews chapter 11 verses 1 through 3 and Romans chapter 10 verses 5 and 8. And we're going to start today by looking into the word and, and uh, grab a hold of what the Lord is speaking to us today about simple faith. So in the first uh, place in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, we're going to have it up on the screens if, uh, if you don't have that today. But it says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through, th- 1 through 3, now faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. And by faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Okay? That's going to be kind of the basis of simple faith today because we have to understand what faith is. And the book of Hebrews tells us that your faith, it's the evidence of what you don't see yet. So it's not fact because fact would be something that's already happened. So faith is something you haven't seen yet. And that's what Hebrews tells us. Also in Romans chapter 10, if you flip over there, Romans chapter 10 verses 5 through 8. Romans chapter 10 verses 5 through 8. And it says this, for Moses writes about the righteousness which is the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. So Paul, writing to believers in Rome, he's reminding the believers about what the Old Testament says, the old old law, the old covenant, what they had to do. And he's reminding them, hey, under the law, what Moses wrote was, if you're going to follow those things, that's how you're going to end up living. That's going to be what carries you through. The man who does those things shall live by them. But in verse 6, it says this, But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend in heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. He's not dead. He's alive. When we celebrated last week that he is alive. But verse 8 says this. Would you read this with me? But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith we preach. Come on, let's say that again. Just that last part. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Paul goes on to say right there in those next couple of verses, very probably famous or comfortable words that we would know. And he says, for if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth, right? So faith is really found in two places. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. Faith is in your heart and in your mouth. And the importance of these verses help to anchor us today as we're going to talk about what simple faith. Also, as I get into this, what I don't want you to equate simple faith with is not Like, oh, you know, I've been this believer a long time. I've got it all together. I'm looking really sharp. I know what to do. I always know what to say. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 17, there's a time where uh, he came back down and his disciples had been trying to heal this young boy. And it wasn't working. And Jesus got mad at them. He got mad at them. He goes, where is your faith? Faithless generation. 
And Jesus says to them, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples separately came to Jesus privately and said to him, why could we not cast it out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Do you know how big a mustard seed is? Have you ever seen it? It's this little, little, bitty, little thing. Little, little thing. Little yellow dot it almost looks like. And, and the tree, the mustard tree grows. It can be very large, but the little seeds are very, very small. And Jesus equates faith to, you don't have to have a lot, just a little. Just a little, but what is it? It's stepping out into it. And, and it's not like, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? No. It's, it's like getting in there and going, I believe what he says, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a hold of it. I'm going to go after it. So it's not equating like, uh, you know, simple faith is this really big, like I can always do it. No, it's just all you got to have is a little bit. Simple faith, though, it just starts real small. Hey, according to uh, Merriam-Webster, you know, the, the, uh, the dictionary, uh, thesaurus, all those things, simple, just simple, we're talking about faith, but the word simple is defined as it's free from elaboration or uh, figuration, it's simple harmony, it's not subdivided into branches or leaflets, okay? So simple. You, do you know what complicated is? <laughs> you know what complicated is? We deal with complicated all the time in life, don't we? Whether you're, uh, you know, working a job, you're in the business world, or it could even be in relationships with people, man, it is complicated, right? And so simple is the opposite of complicated, simple. Meaning it's not free from elaboration. You don't have to sit there and go, well, the thing is this. And well, the thing is, and you go, well, what does that mean? Oh, well, I forgot to tell you about this and that. No, it's simple, simple faith. It's just coming and believing and trusting and saying, I believe who he says. And it's not subdivided, uh, subdivided into branches. You know, like a subdivision uh, where they're developing houses, man, you can get back in there and you could get lost. And you go, where in the world am I? Or have you ever been in a city that you're not familiar with? You're maybe visiting or checking it out. And you're going, I just have no idea where I am because all of these little streets and turns and all these different things. But simple faith is not like that. Simple faith is simple, okay? Simple faith is simple. Now, recently... Recently, I don't know if you heard or saw the news, but there was this a little event that happened uh, down in Egypt, and it's called the, the Suez Canal. Anybody heard of that before, right? And there was this situation that uh, happened where this big old boat, really large one, got stuck and turned. You know that, right? It got stuck. The, call, the, the boat was called the Ever Griffin, and it's still, man, they're still trying to deal all with that. But anyways... At least it got free. At least it's out of there. But uh, it was funny because uh, when that was still happening, it was still stuck. Uh, you might have seen memes going out on the internet like little, you know, little puppy dogs, dachshunds, like they sent them in to dig it out and, you know, all these different kinds of things. Well, I saw this little news post, and I think we have some of these pictures. And uh, this news post, do we have those? Yes, we do. The first news post uh, that I read says this, good news, do we have that coming up? Oh, it is up there, okay, sorry, I was looking back here and thinking it wasn't there, so very good. Good news, our children have, have some terrific ideas for how to get the big old boat unstuck from the Suez Canal, okay? So this is kids, all right? This is some kids, all right? So let's go on in the first slide, uh, it, it says this, now you can see uh, that they have the, the kids' names and then their age, okay? So I love this. So blunt. This is a typical middle schooler, age 12, max. He says, just turn it. Like, just turn the boat, right? Now think simple, right? They're thinking simple. They don't, they don't know all that's going on. Simple. Sam, who's 10 years old, said, just straighten it out. Can you imagine that? They're like, What's that problem? Just, you know, get it going. Alex, who's 12, just says, this was one of my favorites. Just turn the wheel to the left. Like, 
Doesn't it just work like that, right? Simple, they're thinking. Nina, who is eight, says, what's it stuck on, sand? Just move the sand. Just move it. Theo, who is six, said they should get giant oars and row with it. Could you imagine that? This, this big old boat, but I love it. Owen, who is five, said this, just get a crane to lift it up. Did they call the crane yet? Like, that's so simple that our kids are like, that's how it should work. It should just be that simple. Hey, we got a few more here. Oliver, who was six years old, says this, I would just push back until it was free and then it could float away. I've seen things like this in my life. He's six years old. Oh, maybe, the, maybe it's a different a different one. That's okay. Uh, so Owen said, uh, just get a crane. We said that one, right? Oliver six, I would just push the back of it until it was free and it could float away. I've seen things like this in my life. I've seen things like in this, like sticks in a creek, right? That's his preview. Oliver, who was six, Hugo, who was five, cut it. And you can see someone says, what do you mean? Cut what? The corner of the boat, like cut it off. I love that. I love that. Dominic, who's nine, says, push it. And they ask, push it with what? I don't know. Get a giant hunk of metal. Get a bunch of pistons. You know, I don't. Thomas, who was four, said this. Well, playing with a small toy car. Okay, he's, he's playing with a car. And he just says, tie the boat to my car with a string. The car will pull the boat out, right? Okay, so those are some different ways that our kids, right? They're simple. Very, very simple. I love that about uh, children, but I think the, uh, you know, what happened after a while is those were the ideas, but it still wasn't happening. So we have, I think, one more, one more photo, I believe, and it's this. It says, blockage cleared, ships moving at record speed as Chick-fil-A workers put in charge of the Suez Canal. You know, isn't that, I mean, it's kind of true, you know, early on, I remember hearing early on when they were getting the vaccines out, the COVID vaccines or even some of the testing going, man, they were having a mess of problems in, in some other areas. And I remember hearing a story where they actually called managers and people that owned local Chick-fil-A's to get it straightened out, and they did. So we know if there's problems in the future, we'll just call in the Chick-fil-A team and they will take care of it. So let's do this. Let's jump in today. So simple faith, four things. And uh, number one, simple faith is simple. So obvious, right? But we complicate it all of the time. Simple faith is simple. Simple faith, it does not complicate. It doesn't add a bunch of layers like, oh, I got to do this and that. And it doesn't set a hierarchy. Do you know what a hierarchy is, right? Different kind of levels, like, well, I got to get to this level, and then I can do that. No, simple faith is not like it. It, it doesn't complicate, add layers, or set a hierarchy. Uh, Jesus, in Mark chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 9 and, and verse 13. So Jesus comes, and there's a bunch of Pharisees. They're the rulers. They're the people that's supposed to be telling the people how to live, what to do, and uh, how they should you know, make sure that they're living right with with God. And so Jesus comes and he sees what they're doing. And it says this, that in verse four, when they came from the marketplace, uh, that they do not eat unless they wash their hands. Okay. And they don't, uh, observe, uh, and they observe many other traditions such as the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples Live according to the tradition of the elders. Okay, just say tradition of the elders. Okay, so tradition of the elders, what had happened over so many years, not only did they have the law, the Old Testament, but they had added in all of these other different layers and different things that they had to do. Depending on the, the Pharisee, the teacher that you were following, they might even have their little own unique things that they did or they asked you to do. And so Jesus, uh, they came and they were jumping right into the meal. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law in verse 5, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders? In verse 6, Jesus responds to them and he said, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, right? Do, doing one thing, saying another, doing a different thing. 
As it is written, so this is in Isaiah, Jesus is quoting, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Verse seven, they worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules, okay? So remember, simple faith, it sticks simple. But these guys, what they were doing is they're adding on all these different things. You let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God, taking the word of God and setting it aside and saying, well, if you, that's good, but you also need to do this and that. You need to dress this way. You need to look that way. You need to have this together. You need to have these connections. You should be by time you're 18, you should already be in college. And by time you're 22, you should have a, uh, you know, a, a field that you're going into. And you should have this and that. And that's what Jesus is kind of talking about. And he continued with that, that you set aside the word of God and you observe your own traditions. Verse 13 says this. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many like things many like things. And so in this simple faith, what we can do as believers, as you walk with the Lord, the longer you know him, what can happen is you can begin to have different things you add in. And maybe they started as a preference. Well, you know, I kind of like this music or, you know, I, I kind of like to dress up when I go to church. And what can become of it is that pretty soon you're like, well, why aren't you dressed up for church? And sure, you know, we can get dressed up for church and we can look good and all that. But the thing is, is that we end up adding all of our own traditions. I remember growing up in church, all, all of my life growing up in church. And I remember when I was a kid, man, all of the guys, they, they were dressed to the nines. You know, suit, three-piece suit, the ladies, man, the hats and the, man, they were like, and they would look at you if you came, man, if you wore jeans, goodness. They'd be like, let's go. You can go somewhere else. right?" <laughs> but all that to say, and I'm not nothing against that. I mean, I love dressing up. I love, you know, going out and doing these different things. But the thing is, is that some of those pieces, they can end up becoming almost like our own traditions that we add into. Well, like, yeah, you're saved by grace, but yeah, you should also look a certain way. And sure, you know, God always wants us to be working and growing and improving. But he doesn't require like, hey, you got to change first and then you can come to me. No, Jesus comes to us. And that's why simple faith, we got to keep it simple. We can't add in all of these different things. Also, simple faith requires that we receive from God like a child. Do you know that? If you don't know kids, you don't have kids, nieces and nephews, your own kids, man, like... Find some kids and spend some time with them because, man, they have a whole different perspective on life. And guess what? You used to as well. But what happens? You grow up and the world pressures you this way and that way. Well, you got to think this way. You got to do that. And what happens is over time, you end up losing a lot of that spunk and excitement. And I constantly tell my kids, hey, don't stop doing that. Keep, keep drawing. Keep doing that. And they go, okay, dad. And they just keep going after it. But what happens over and over time, they're like, nah, I don't want to do that anymore. They've even done studies that look at kids as they, as they grow up and they're getting into middle school and high school and college. What happens is they get a lot less creative because over time, it's no longer simple. It's complicated. So Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 and 15, people were bringing the little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuke them. If you're ever in a place where somebody's rebuking either parents uh, for bringing kids or kids coming, uh, you should stay away from there. And the reason is, is that Jesus loves kids. He loves the next generation. We do too. Hey man, you got to get behind our kids team and all that they're doing. Last week with Easter, we had 55 kids in, in, in kids church. It was awesome, exciting, and we know it's continuing, but we got to get behind. And Jesus was doing the same. He was rebuking them. When, they, uh, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He was mad. He was upset. He said to them, let the children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. 
All right? Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Okay? So not only is simple faith simple, but we also have to receive it with like a childlike faith where you come in and you go, hey, I believe it. I see it. I know he's going to do it. Is it happened yet? No, it hasn't happened quite yet, but I believe it's going to happen. And man, those kids, they put all that aside and they're like, I can do that. Have you ever met a kid and you're doing something really heavy or you're trying to get this construction project done and they're like, I can do that. And you're like, you're like six and you know, grown people can't even get this done. And you're like, we got this? Because, you know, they just are simple in how they do their childlike faith, and that's how we need to do it. Also, simple faith brings gladness of heart. It brings joy. There's excitement when things are just kept simple and easy, and there are like people can get behind it. It says in the book of Acts in chapter 2 that all of these people were being added to the church. They were being baptized, and it says about 3,000 people were added in one day when Pete when Peter spoke. Can you imagine that in one day, one service, 3,000 people being saved? But it goes on to say this about them, that the fear of, uh, that fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Man, things were happening. Now all who believed were together. They had all things in common, what they're doing, life together. You know, who are you checking on during the week? It's not just like a check mark, like, yep, I did my part. No, let's do life together. That's why it's important for us to gather for, you know, when we're doing praise on Tuesday or maybe in our groups that are coming up and not too long, getting in, let's do life together. They were all believing together. They had all things in common. Even people sold things they had and gave it away so that nobody was in need. But I love how it says this. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. What happened? They weren't all like, we, I don't know what's going on there. They were just like, we got to be together. We got to be with the Lord. We got to experience his love and his goodness. We got to take care of people. We got to meet some needs. We got to, what are they doing? They're just keeping it simple. But because of the simplicity, joy came out. Praising God and having favor with all the people. That's joy right there. Praising God. Worship is breaking out from among them, and people are being connected. And the Lord added the church daily those who were being saved. When faith becomes complicated, when we complicate faith, when we add too many layers, people lose interest and they can easily disconnect. Have you seen? I've seen that before many times. People start coming, they get excited, they're like, Yeah, I'm on fire, I'm this and that. And for whatever reason, complications come and they slowly drift away. Also, unfortunately, legalism can come when we make things too complicated. Legalism can come. That's why we got to keep it simple. Do we always get it right? No. Do we make mistakes? Probably. You know, like we're just like, we're getting out there. We're loving people. We're caring for people. We're praising God. Were you supposed to do that? I don't know. We're just trying to do the best that we can with what we got and bless the Lord. And so out of this simple faith, just a question for you today, a question, what can you do with simple faith? How can you keep it simple? Because remember, it says keeping things simple, it brings joy. And uh, something that I've been thinking about a lot is that humbling myself. Keeping things simple, because what happens, I, I will add my own things to like, well, I got to pray this, and I got to do this, and oh man, you know what, I overslept today, and so I didn't get up in time, I didn't read, oh gosh, you know, I got this big old hole in my day. Well, yeah, it's important to read, and yes, it's important to spend time with the Lord, but what happens is that I can complicate it for myself. So what I do, Jesus, I come, I'm sorry I missed my time with you, you know, I'm get into the word and, and do what I can, but let's keep it simple. Uh, but I think it comes a lot of times about humbling ourselves because otherwise we're looking at people and we're like, hey, you need to do this, got to do that. No, let's keep it simple and keep our faith moving forward. Number two, simple faith is specific. Say specific with me. It's kind of a tongue twister, maybe specific, specific, right? Specific. 
What does specific mean? It's specific. It's not vague like, well, I don't, I don't even know what you're saying. No, I want you to go back there and do this. Oh, okay, I could do that, right? In, uh, in business or in uh, management of time, has anybody heard of SMART goals before? SMART goals? Just an acronym, SMART. And it stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Relevant, and Time-Based. Specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. What does that mean? Specific. You can't leave it general because otherwise, I don't even know what I'm doing. Measurable. Like you got to have a way to say, yep, I'm going to actually hit that goal because if you just say, yeah, at some point I want to be able to do this, it's like, well, how do you know you're even going to get there? You know, for us, whether it's in business or life, in your finances, how are you going to know that, man, I'm going towards that goal of, let's say, being debt-free? Well, how do you know you're going to be debt-free if you don't know what you're going after? You've got to be specific. It's got to be measurable, too. Like, this is the amount I'm going after. It's got to be attainable. Like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be uh, six foot three. Now, this is Mark. And uh, I'll take it. I take the heat. I've taken it all my life. I'm about five foot five. That's about all I got. But that's okay. So I can't say like I'm gonna grow seven inches. I'm gonna be. A, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna be taller. I'm gonna have lots of muscles. Man, that's not attainable, right? Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna drop a hundred pounds. In, in two days. That's not, good. That's not attainable, right? That's, it's got to be something that you can actually get to. It's got to be relevant. Like it means something to you. Like you could go, well, yeah, I really want to be, um, you know, uh, a sports medicine doctor. Well, is that relevant to me? No, I'm, I'm called to do something else. And it's got to be time-based because otherwise what happens if you don't set a goal and stick with it, it'll never happen. You'll never follow through. You know, the same thing can happen for us spiritually. That who's ever done it? Just to raise a hand. Actually, I don't have to raise hands, but I'll raise my hand. Who's ever done it? You know, the first of the year, you always make these goals like, yeah, this year I'm going to read my Bible every day. I'm going to pray for two hours. I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going to work out every day. And what happens about seven days in, you're like, oh my gosh, what did I, what was I going to do? But the thing can happen spiritually too, where we go, yeah, you know, I'm just going to be so much better in the word. I'm going to be a better person at praying. I'm going to do this and that. And if we don't really get in and get after it, it'll never happen. It says in Matthew chapter six, And Jesus is speaking this. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues, in church, on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then the Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, it says... It says in uh, Matthew 6, 7, and when you pray, do not keep babbling like pagans. What do you do? Like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm a, I, yeah, God bless you. You know, help me. Da, 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 da. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. You know, the same is true whether it's in prayer or whether we're doing in different things. If, we, if we're not being specific in what we're praying and going after, we could end up being like this, where we're just babbling, like, oh, I'm just saying some words. I'm going through the motions, but it's not really doing anything. God wants us to be effective in our prayer and what we're doing. So this is what Jesus taught them to do. Do not be like them, for the Father knows what you need before you ask, okay? So we got that established. God already knows what you need before you even ask him. But he says this, this then is how you should pray. And he gets very, very specific. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Man, if you go through that, you go, wow, that's powerful. It's simple. It's specific. And it covers like a lot of different things in life, right? 
And so if you don't know where to start, if you don't know how to be specific in your prayer or in your walk with the Lord, just start right here every day. I like to do that. I like to just open it up and I just remind myself, man, Lord, I thank you that you're my father. I have a relationship with you. You're not just a far off, but I have a relationship. Thank you for letting me come near. Hallowed be your name. What is that? Just old English for holy. God's holy. He's set apart. Let's praise him. Let's worship him. Let's give him all that we can and how we bless him. And it goes on, just simple things that we can pray, simple things that we can walk out. See, when we pray his word and when we get a hold of what he says, it helps us get to the point. (laughs) It helps us be specific because we don't want to be like those other people that just go like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's sometimes, and it's not to bag on anybody, anything. like I've been in, in situations before where they just go on and on and on and you go, wait, what are we praying about? And I've probably done the same. I'm sure I have. So let's get specific in our prayer. Also, Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, uh, that as he approached Jericho, there was a blind man sitting. Verses 35, it starts there. Uh, Luke 18, 35 through 43, a blind man was sitting by the side of the road and he was begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. Hey, what's going on? What's all that commotion? He can't see, right? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He already knew who Jesus was. I'm convinced of it because otherwise he would have been like, well, who's he? You know, what has he got to offer? He had heard something about this guy named Jesus. So Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, I love this, Jesus asked him, right? Jesus is God. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? And you would think to me, I've often read this and go, gosh, Jesus, that's really insensitive. Like, can you look at him? And it's not to be mean or demean anybody, but sometimes, especially physical things, you can go, oh, I, I think there's something wrong. Like they don't, it's not functioning properly. Uh, I, I have a friend who uh, lives in California now. Uh, he's lived in different places. But I remember being a young middle schooler and in high school, he lost his sight. He had a condition where he lost his sight. And so even today, it's, it's probably been a couple of years since I've even talked to him. But I can go up to him. I've seen him and I've done this. I say, hey, Andy. And he goes, hey, Mark Phipps, how are you? (laughs) How do you do that? Like, that's amazing. But even when I look at him, I can see that because of the condition of his eyes, the muscles aren't as strong anymore. And, you know, sometimes it looks like what's happening. And to me, I I think, Jesus, man, you, you knew what he needed. You knew that. He had this struggle, you know, this thing in his body that wasn't working how it was designed to work. And yet Jesus says to him, what do you want? And I believe in our faith and what we're going after. There's some times where we're like, oh, I got, I, I need this, I need that. And Jesus is like, get specific. What do you want? What do you need? And you're like, Jesus, I think you know what I need. And you're like, but tell me, what do you need? And it says, Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight right there, right then and there, because your faith has healed you. He immediately received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. So here we see that faith, it has to be specific. It gets to the point. It's not like 17 different steps and then you get there. I know for me personally, I, a lot of times, I'll go to the back story of something. Somebody's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, well, let me tell you, you know, back this. Th- <laughs> and sometimes people are like, like, just get to the point. Like, tell the story. Or if you're talking with uh, sometimes kids, you know, they'll go on and on. And you're like, honey, okay, what's the point? Like, <laughs> you know, get to it. And, and our faith is that way. And our prayer should be that same way. You know, the question that comes to mind, and I would ask you as well, How do you become specific in your faith? How do you go after in specific ways? And I think it's just start with the word of God. Don't add other things. Don't try and be, well, I got this all figured out. I sound really good. I, you know, I know how to pray and ooh, you know, I got this, you know, I can get it. No, just start with the word of God. 
Because it says his word is living and powerful, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, right? It even divides down not only to the physical, but to the spiritual. And so we got to pray his word and go at it with what his word says. That's specific. Number three today in keeping our faith simple is this. Simple faith is bold. It's bold. B-O-L-D, bold. It's bold, okay? It goes after. It's like, ooh, I got confidence that this is going to happen. I know this will work. We recently read in the book of Numbers chapter 13 the story of where Moses had selected leaders from the different tribes, okay? Here the children of Israel, they've walked through the wilderness. They're getting closer uh, to the promised land and what God has promised to them. And before they get in there, Moses selects some leaders and he says, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go in. And it picks up in in verse 27 and says, they gave Moses this account. So Moses ahead of time had said, I want you to do this. Go and look, see what it's like, you know, figure it out. You know, do they have resources? You know, what are the people Uh, what do they have? You know, what do they have? Are they fortified, not fortified? What does it look like? And Moses wasn't saying, you know, are they fortified? So I don't know if we can take it or not. He wasn't saying that. He was just like, give us, let us know what it is. But it says in verse 27, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land. So this is a little bit after 30 days after they're, they've come back to Moses and now they have to report to him what the land looks like. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. They have a lot of resources there. There's a lot of natural resources. Here, um, and here is its fruit. So they bring back some fruit and show them this is what it looks like. But the people who live there are powerful. The tone changes a little bit. The tone changes. And the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of, uh, of Anak there. So the, the Anakites... Uh, that's who Goliath, he, in his backstory, somewhere in there, he's a part of this group that were like giants. They were very large, very tall people, big. And uh, they live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites. These are all the different tribes or people that are already living there. Amorites, they live in the hill country. The Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. And this guy named Caleb steps up. The, so... There's 12 spies, 12 people that were sent into the land. Two of them, uh, Caleb and also Joshua, they give a good report, and the other 10 do not. But it says this of Caleb. I love this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses, and he says this, before any fear sets in, before any worry, before any confusion, he says, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. What is he saying? Man, I can do this. Like, we can do this. Like, God is with us. And like, that sounds good to me. Let's go after it. There, He was bold. Like, he was like, I'm going to go after this. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. They spread among them a bad report. So when what ends up happening is that Caleb is like, man, we got this. Like, let's go get it. And Joshua's with him too. They're like, yeah, let's do it. And what happens is because the bad report was spread, these other people became fearful of what they heard instead of what God was calling them to get a hold of, is that uh, the Lord said, turn around. You're going to have to go through the wilderness 40 more years until everyone 20 years older uh, dies in the wilderness because you can't receive what I have for you. But Caleb was bold. He had some confidence. Uh, Another story I love is in 1 Samuel 17, and it's the story of David. So David is probably about a teenager at this point, and uh, he comes, and uh, there's this report of this guy named Goliath. He's coming out, and and they want to fight, and Goliath is like, send your best man out. I'll fight him. And it goes on for many, many days. And so David gets there. He's a teenager. He comes to check on his brothers. And it says, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Okay, so here's this young teenager. Man, he's, he's bold, like to go like, who's this guy out here? 
What are you doing? Why can't you get out there? But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried it off a sheep from the, from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on, uh, and also there's a line, when a lion and a, or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, when, it went at, when I went after and struck it, and I rescued the sheep from its mouth, and when it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. That's bold. That's bold to declare that. I will strike you down. It says a little bit later, David gets out there and... Uh, and he goes after and he says, I'm going to strike you down and I'm going to take you out. That's bold. To see this young teenager, maybe scrappy, doesn't have all together, you know, he hasn't, he's not full grown. To see this guy come in that's like nine foot something, big old guy. And, uh, you know, he's like, man, you're going down. And he has some confidence behind it. See, when faith is bold, when your faith is bold, you don't evaluate your ability or your resources to match the problem or situation. When your faith is bold, you don't evaluate your ability or your resources to match the problem or situation. How many times have we done that? Oh, man, I just, I don't have enough money. I, I, I don't have enough time. I, I don't have enough skill. And what are we doing? We're looking at the situation and we're trying to go, what I have isn't enough. And what did Jesus say? There's the time when he feeds the 5,000 and Jesus says, well, what do we have? What do we have? And, uh, you know, we have to stop evaluating based on what we think we've got. And man, we got to have some bold faith, some confidence to go, I know who my God is. I know that he's strong. I know that he's mighty. I know that he can save. Is his hand shortened that he cannot save? You know, is his strength weakened that he can't bring it? No, he's well able to do it. He's well able to bring us into the land. Little victories turn into practical testimonies and they lead to more victories. That's why we got to talk about our faith. That's why we got to talk about what God has done for me because That'll fuel somebody else. So in order to, to help our faith be bold and to strengthen it, what can you do? What can I do? I would say don't say safe and comfortable. Like don't say where you are usually and you're like, well, this is what I like to do and this is who I am and I feel all good here and I feel safe here. And you know what? Sometimes it requires us to what? Like Peter, step out of the boat. You know, Peter was known for sticking his whole foot in his mouth, Right. Jesus, you're the Christ. And what does he say right after it? He goes, Jesus, that's never going to happen to you. And Jesus has to say, get behind me, Satan. Man, Peter was always putting his foot in his mouth. But sometimes, man, he was the first guy to get out of the boat. Like, can you think of that? Like, think of us. Water right now. And would you step out of the boat? You're like, oh, that's crazy. But sometimes it requires us to get out of being comfortable and step into it. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, very familiar, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. What happens? So many times we lean on what I've been through and what I know and the experiences I had and this is what it looks like. And, but no, God is saying, get out there, step out and be bold with your faith. Finally, simple faith is unrelenting. Simple faith is unrelenting. It just comes back to it over and over again. I love what it says in uh, 2 Corinthians Paul is speaking, he's writing to the, the group of believers. And uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, I love how it says in the Passion Translation. In the Passion Translation, it says this, Though we experience every kind of pressure, we're not crushed. At times, listen to this, at times we don't even know what to do. And what do we many, many times we do? Well, forget it. I'm not going to do that. I, I just don't know what to do. But it says, at times we don't know what to do, but quitting is not an option. What are you doing? I'm going back after it over and over again. We're persecuted by others, but God has not forsaken us. We may be knocked down, but what? We're not out. I'm not out. I got knocked down. I'm getting back up again. It goes after it like 
I'm not going to take no for an answer. Like, I'm not, like, no. Like, God said something. I believe something is in store for me, and I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to go back. In uh, Luke chapter 18, there's a story of Jesus, and it says uh, in verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Don't give up, he said. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. He was like, I don't know who God is. I don't care what other people think. I'll do what I want. This is the judge. And it says, and there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. What does it say? She kept coming like she was like, I'm coming back at this. Like, I'm going to come and knock on that door again. I'm going to say, Lord, I know you have something. I'm coming back to it. She kept coming back over and over again. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't even fear God, I don't care what people think, yet because this widow keeps coming and bothering me, like she's bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come in. He was worried she's going to come and attack me. She's going to stop asking, and now she's going to like beat it out of me, like give it to me. I need my justice. And, uh, and it goes on to say, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? And uh, I think, uh, you know, it comes back at us over and over again. What does he do? Don't keep putting it off. I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. They cry out to him day and night. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Ooh, ouch. Oh. Why? Because faith is unrelenting. It goes after it. Like, I'm not taking no for, it, for an answer. It's kind of like, see it through faith. And I'm not talking like if God is saying, don't, that's not for you. You're like, no, but that's what I want. I'm going to keep, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about you're in God's word or you believe that the Lord is speaking something to you or to, to do something or to get out or it might be, you know, as simple as, man, I, I want to use you to do something in this neighborhood. And you're like, okay, okay. And when you hold on to that and you come back to you, you're like, well, I don't have the resources yet, but I got something, you know, I, I got some waters here. I could go, go pass them out, like go after it. That's what the Lord is talking about. It's see it through faith. It's see it through faith that says, I'm going to see it happen. So the question, what can you do? How can you have unrelenting, see it through faith? That's simple. Don't quit on what you're praying for or going after. Stick with it. There's some things I know that, that I'm praying for, that I'm believing for. And I look and I go, gosh, like, I can't see it. I can't see it yet. I can't see it. But man, there's something on the inside that's like, that's what I'm like, that's supposed to happen. And you go, man, there's, it's just not there yet. Well, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to come right back to it. I'm going to say, Lord, I thank you that you're doing it. I don't know how. What does it say in, in the, pas the Passion Translation in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4? What does it say? I don't know what to do, but quitting's not an option. Like, Lord, I'm coming back to you, and I believe you're speaking something. And I believe that simple faith is unrelenting. Like, it's going to go after it over and over again. So in closing today, uh, just a few things to go over. Again, four things. Simple faith is simple. That old saying, maybe I shouldn't say, but simple, you know, keep it simple, stupid, right? They say that. I probably shouldn't say that. I'm, I, I apologize. Don't, what is it? Keep it simple. That's a much better way. Thank you. Keep it simple, silly, right? Because we complicate it. We get, we keep it, like we add too much layers. We do this and that. So simple faith is simple, but it's also specific. Like this is what I'm going after. And Lord, I believe you want to do it. It's also bold, like, who? I know who my God is and I know what he wants to do in my life and through me and for me. And it's also unrelenting. I'm not taking no. I'm coming back after it. I believe there's things today in you that, the God, that, that God is like, I have this for you. And you're like, but I don't see it quite yet. Man, push past that. 
push past that. Just close your eyes and just go, I see it. Where do you see it? On the inside. What does it say? It's in your mouth and in your heart. Faith. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. Keep it in your heart. Keep it on the inside. Keep speaking it. Lord, I believe you want to do it. I believe you want to see it through. I, Lord, I believe you want to do that miracle. Lord, I believe that you want to heal my niece. I know, I know you want to do it, God. I know you want to set her free. Lord, I'm speaking, Lord. I'm believing something big, God. Other things would say it's not going to happen, but Lord, I'm going after it. Speaking it boldly. I'm not going to stop. So let's do this today. Would you close your eyes as, as, as we close? And, and really, closing our eyes is not anything spiritual. It just helps us to focus in the moment and to say, I'm looking to you, God. I, I believe you're speaking to me today. And I don't know about you, but I, I know the Lord is even kind of stirring me today as, about this faith that it's got to be simple, that it's got to be specific. I got to go after it. I can't stop. I got to be bold in what I'm praying and what I'm believing for. And so as we do this today, maybe maybe you've never never prayed or never said, Jesus, I love you. Or maybe I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you came in not believing or not trusting. Or maybe you said, I tried that before and it didn't work. Try it again. Try it again. I'll just do this today. I'm going to lead us. And if, if this would be the first time, man, we just want to celebrate and congratulate you taking a bold step today to say yes to Jesus. But let's all do this today and just and repeat after me just something simple. And it goes like this. Jesus, thank you for you dying for me. You died for me. You paid a great price in your body. Just repeat that after me. You paid a great price in your body to heal me, to set me free, to give me new vision, to restore what was lost, to strengthen what was weak. I come to you today. I say I need you. Now more than ever, I need you. I put my trust in you today. I love you. I praise you. I thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for setting me on a path of simple faith that's simple, specific, bold, and unrelenting. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.